Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Greetings to you, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the studio we have Rogers Atwebembide and uh, Kenneth Chinanguo Gondwe from the Center for Apologetics Research. We have been dealing with a series entitled, What Did Jesus Mean? And so we continue to look at several passages in the Gospels where we find some of the astounding statements that Jesus made that some have found controversial or misunderstood, yet statements that result into eternal life for those who believe. For instance, Jesus said, I and my father are one, John 10 verse 30. But in John 14, 28, he says, my father is greater than I am. So what did Jesus say? What did Jesus mean? These are two different things. <laughs> very, very interesting. Are we dealing with some contradictions? Are we dealing with some misstatements? What is Jesus talking about? And if we get it wrong, how is this likely to affect us? Mm. Let our brother uh, read uh, John 14 and we hear what Jesus is saying and then we can be able to discuss what this means for us. So dear listeners, uh, turn with me to the book of John again. Uh, the book of John chapter 14 from verses 15 to verse 30. Uh, John 14:15. Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him, because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him, because he lives with you, now and later he will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see you, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. Judas Iscariot, but the, the other disciple with the name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them, and he will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or be afraid. Remember what I told you, I am going away. 
but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things because they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you, because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. Verse 31. But I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus has said some of the most powerful, profound statements, yet ones that are likely to draw serious controversy and confusion. As you heard earlier on, Jesus has already said in John 10 that I and my father are one. one. Already that has drawn dust from the Jewish leaders of the day. We are told that they tried to stone him for that claim. And now a few chapters later, we are told by John the writer that Jesus is saying that my father is greater than me. So Rogers, does this sound like a contradiction or, in, in, in a sense, or, or yes. maybe a misstatement? How can the two be one and at the same time one is greater and the other is lesser? And here we have, we are left with two choices. Mm-hmm. Either Jesus was contradicting himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you're saying something that we do not understand and it's 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 now it's now our turn to understand what Jesus meant exactly and, and how we understand these things has a serious implication upon our lives that's very right if you and if you understand Jesus wrongly and you think he's something that he never said he is then there is a problem it means you are subscribing to a wrong Jesus and a wrong Jesus does not save amen for you to subscribe to a right Jesus you must go to the scriptures and you must not only believe what jesus says he is but you must understand what he means by what he says yes and this is where we are jesus is saying my father is greater than i am so what does jesus mean but for us to appreciate that we need to understand what jesus does not mean exactly it's very important you will understand that what jesus means by that it does not say he is glory in nature compared to the Father. No, 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 no. That's because, not what because, Jesus is because, saying. Because this is something he has already clarified in the in the other chapters prior. He has to chapter already 14. said, "Me and my Father are one." So he's not saying that his law in nature to the Father. Somewhere else, he, has, he says, "If you have seen me, you have seen the Father." Exactly. He says so, all these wonderful again, statements. Again, he's saying, "My Father and I are at a level of equal status." Which brings controversy, then what does it mean that Jesus is less? On what basis is this less being talked about in this text being referred to? What is it exactly that Jesus means when he says, my father is greater than I am? Obviously, it's not about his nature, because he has already talked about his nature, him and the father being one. And he has made it clear that he shares the God nature with the father, that they all are from the same essence. And it was because of that we understand well from the book of John that the Jewish leaders picked up stones and they wanted to stone him for claiming that him and the father have the same nature. So by this moment, scripture has already clarified that Jesus is God. There is no doubt about that. He shares equal status with the Father. And now the question is, how does the Father become greater than the Son? And that's what takes us to another understanding of who Jesus is. That while Jesus 
is equal to the father in terms of his nature. There is a sense in which he is lowly to the father, and that is in terms of his humanity. Yes. When we talk about the person of Jesus, we talk about the dual nature in which Jesus has revealed himself. That unlike the father who is spirit, Jesus is both spirit and human. Jesus shares divinity and humanity. humanity. And that is a doctrine or a teaching that undergirds the Christian faith. In fact, it is the one doctrine that sets Christianity apart from all the religions of the world that yes. we know. It's that true. while all the key world religious leaders are human, they come and go, they live and die, Jesus is the divine man. And you know, Rogers, understanding Jesus as having two natures, the divine nature and the human nature, understanding and affirming both natures is of paramount importance in so far as the Christian religion is concerned. Oh, yes. Because what it means is if you miss one, if you leave out one, you can't be saved. Oh, in the That's... history of the church, we have had people who have come up and said, Jesus was human, but not God. Others have said, well, he was God, but not human. And a denial of either of his nature eventually results in a Jesus who is not the Jesus of the Bible. Because, because I want you to see this, 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 Lodgers. If Jesus loses his humanity, if you believe in a Jesus who is a great teacher, just a human, and you throw away his divinity, mm, that mm. Jesus cannot save. Oh, yes. Because the penalty of our sins as fallen human being required that someone of the nature like God mm, be able mm. to come and pay that penalty. When Isaiah prophesies 700 years even before the birth of Jesus and he's talking about the nature of the Messiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, he does not miss his words. He describes him as God, everlasting God, Prince of Peace, the one on whom the government will be. And yet in describing the divine nature of Jesus, he also reminds us that this Jesus will be born like a child. Exactly. Born if, of if, a no, no, Isaiah you're, 7. You're talking, about, you're talking about Isaiah chapter 7 and chapter 9 in which God is, uh, Jesus is being prophesied as going to come in this divine nature. But just a few chapters later, Isaiah chapter 53, I, the same Isaiah is presenting Jesus who is going to save mankind as a servant. That's right. That's Someone right. who is going to die the death of a criminal. So even Isaiah himself recognizes that the Jesus who is going to come to save mankind from sin is going to have how many natures? Two natures. Two natures. He is divine, yet he is human also. He is a servant, but he is also a king. You remember when the Magi come to present gifts to baby Jesus after his birth? They come asking a very interesting question. That where is the one who is born king so that we may go and worship him? Yeah, they yeah, are not exactly. saying where is the one who is born to be. No, 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 no. <laughs> who is born, born king? king? From the outset, he is a king. And yet Isaiah will describe him as the suffering servant. So you wonder, which is which? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. So dear listeners, it's so important that we affirm both natures of Jesus here. The Jesus with whom we have come to relate as the author of our salvation is both God and the man. And and the danger here is this. If we believe in a Jesus, for example, who is only 
divine and not human, then we have a super being, a supernatural being who cannot identify with us. But then we even have to answer, how does he die on the cross if he is... He's a super, he's a superman. He needs to be human. He needs to have a human body. He needs to be punished for our sins on our behalf for reconciliation between God and humanity to be possible. On the one hand, if we believe that he's just human, and not divine, we are again committing another serious blunder here because this human being cannot pay for the sins of another man. Unless he is God, he cannot die on our behalf. This is why it is so important, dear listeners, that we affirm both natures of Jesus Christ because if we leave out one nature, it has serious ramifications and implications on our souls and um, our lives as we live in this world. In fact, the Apostle Paul, a few years later after the ministry of Jesus, as he writes down his letter to the believers at Philippi, brings it out very categorically clearly. He says that even though he was God, he he did not consider equality with God as something to grasp for. So he says, number one, the Jesus who has become your savior, you Philippian believers, is God. Mm-hmm. In fact, he is equal in status, in with nature, God. Yes. with God. Yes. But for the sake of salvation, he did not consider equality with God as something to grasp mm-hmm. or to fight for. Mm-hmm. But rather, ro- lowering himself, he came down among us in the form of a servant, shared our humanity, endured the constraints and the boundaries of a mortal life. And he endured the suffering even to death on the cross. In other words, this God became so humble. And actually, Paul writing to the, to, to, to the Philippian church continues to say he took upon himself the human form. He did. He took upon himself a human form, which means he is God himself, but he chose to take a human form for the sake of and our it salvation. And in that human form that he identifies himself as lowly, that he recognizes that the Father is greater than him in the sense that now in his humanity he experiences human limitations. They are things he cannot do in his humanity. They are honors and privileges that he denies himself for the sake of identification with limited humanity. And in that state of his humanity, in that form of a man where he has emptied himself, he can confidently say, the Father is, is greater, greater than I am. If, for example, a, a very good example is where Jesus feels hungry. Oh, yeah. He wants oh, to yeah. have something to, uh, some, something to eat. He, he feels he, hungry. He feels hungry. He, he feels, feels pain. In John chapter 4, when he asks for water from the Samaritan woman, he also gets tired. You remember him yes, sleeping exactly. in the boat yes, when there exactly. is a storm? Yes. He clearly experiences the characteristics of what it means the, to be human. The limitations of our humanity. He experiences pain. rejection. Pain. You remember him on the cross as he cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabakathan, why have you forsaken me? He cries out of thirst on Calvary's cross. Clearly he was human like anyone human being would be. Yet in the same breath where he expresses his humanity, you also see an expression of his divinity. Hmm. You know Mark chapter 2, where he heals a man whom they bring and lower through the roof. Yes, I remember that story. And he heals him. Yes. And in that passage, 
Jesus identifies himself as the son of man. Mm. But in the same passage he says, so that you may know that the son of man has authority to forgive sins, he turns and commands the paralytic to rise up and walk. He identifies as the son of man, but as the son of man, he has divine authority to do what men cannot do. And, and remember, we are talking about this always in a Jewish context. And according to the Jews, only God could forgive sin. That's right. Only That's why God, they are surprised. Only God could forgive sin. And because only God could forgive sin, these Jews are beginning to wonder, who is this man who forgives sins? And he comes back to say, which one is is is, is more difficult? Yeah. To forgive sin or, or to, to tell him to rise, tell him, rise, up, rise up and walk. And go home. Yeah. So these are two natures really, really we are to work together. Are working together. See perfectly. him when he is resting in the boat. Why is he resting? Because he's tired. He's tired. But when they wake him up and they say there is a storm and we are perishing, what happens? He's someone who has control over nature. Tired. Jesus rebukes the storms <laughs> and they seize immediately. Yeah. The divine and the human still at work together. In a beautiful union, these two natures are working together for purposes of the redemption and salvation of mankind. We are seeing Jesus in two of his natures. So when we relate to Jesus, we don't just relate with him on the basis of one nature or a choice of our own preference. No, 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 no. We relate with Jesus as the duo. The both divine and the human. And even as we read scripture, we need to continue trying to understand what nature is Jesus operating in or even talking about at this stage. There are some instances where he will speak with authority as God. There are some instances where he will submit to the Father as man, and we need to be able to see the differences between those two situations so that we do not confuse them and confuse ourselves. Yes, yes. And and this is why when Jesus says, my Father is greater than me, he does not refer to his nature in which he shares with the Father, because he said him and the Father are one. Mm. But rather, mm. what he's talking about here are the limitations he has as a human. Yes, as he yes. comes in human flesh, there are those things that he couldn't do as a human. That's and right. on that basis, he says, my father is greater than me. Mm, mm. Not to say that he is less than the father. Not to say that he is a lesser being from who God is and therefore is not God. But to say that in terms of his humanity... In terms of his role as the savior and the sin bearer, he, the father is greater than him. Mm. But in terms of essence and nature, he's already told us in John 10, 30, that my father and I are oh, one. one. We share the same divinity, the same place of honor. We are all worthy of worship. Mm. We all have the authority to save and to forgive sins. And if you come to Jesus, you come to Jesus not just as the man who walked the dusty streets of, of, of Nazareth or Jerusalem, but as the God man, Amen. the one in whom salvation is Amen. found. And we must be also willing to collect uh, one, of, uh, one of the misinterpretation and, and distortion of scriptures uh, as other faith groups have done by looking at this, what they're like, oh, listen, here Jesus is trying to clarify um, what he said in the other chapters because people wanted to stone him. Now he's telling them, no, that's not what I meant. This is what I mean. <laughs> This, this is not what Jesus is doing this here. This is not Jesus apologizing. No, he's not apologizing <laughs> what he said previously.
previous year. It's this, right. This is Jesus making a distinction between the two natures so that there is no room for any misunderstanding whatsoever. Very important to understand and to clarify. Amazing. So what does this mean for us? If we are saying that this Jesus who is of equal nature with the Father, who should be recognized as God indeed, at the same time, this Jesus humbles himself and lowers himself. In fact, for us to appreciate this well, we need to go back to Philippians chapter 2. Exactly. When Paul brings this relationship between the two natures as he writes the Philippians, he is actually putting an application to this uh, these two natures. How should they live? He's saying, how should you live Mm -hmm. in light of the two natures of Jesus? Yes. And how does he begin? He says, have this same mind that was in Christ Jesus. He listened to that very carefully. He is saying that have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was equal with God in nature, yet lowered himself and became man, lived among us, shared our humanity, died our death, suffered the consequences of our sins. In essence, Paul is trying to be saying, if Jesus who was equal with God, could humble himself to this extent for the sake of your salvation, how much more should you be humble? How much more should you be obedient as believers? And remember, remember, Jesus is not doing these things for himself. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. doing these things on behalf of us believers, on behalf of, the, of those of us who call upon him as Lord. For us to come to this moment and be able to appreciate this great and glorious salvation we have is because of this work of Jesus Christ in which he leaves all the eternal benefits, all the beautiful relationship he had with the Father in eternity. He humbles himself and comes in human form, relates with us. He feels hungry. He feels pain. He feels sorrow. Not for himself, Rogers, Mm. but for Mm. us. Mm. How Mm. should these things, these truths as we grasp them, how should they change? Change us as we read with our neighbor. So here we have a picture of selflessness and sacrificial service. And the Apostle Paul is saying this is what Jesus did. In fact, the reason he became lower than the Father for a time being was for your sake. And if you understand that Jesus became human for your sake, denied himself of the privileges of the kingdom for your sake, how does that influence the way you live? The way you behave, not only before Jesus who did it for you, but for one another. Amen. Have this Amen. same mind that is yours in Christ Jesus. Because, Humility, obedience, because, self-sacrifice, because loneliness. If we cannot have this mind, mind that Jesus had in relation to his father as he comes to redeem mankind on earth, if we cannot have this mind, it is very difficult to serve our neighbor. That's right. It is very difficult to serve our workmate. It is very difficult even to serve a member in the same church. That's right. That's right. Humility humility is a very important attribute. No wonder one of the great historians said, humility is the greatest virtue in a human life, just as pride is the greatest vice in a Christian life. (laughs) Very interesting. Very interesting. Have you always wondered why today's Christians, a number of them live lives with arrogance, live as though eternity was dependent on them? 
Have you been wondering why today's generation of believers always come out as arrogant and self-centered, as if it all depended on them for salvation? Partly, the reason today's Christians behave that way is because they misunderstand and confuse Jesus' statement in John 14, 28. They do not understand how the two natures of Jesus work together mm -hmm. in relationship, in a perfect harmony for the good of those who love the Lord. If they understood that the one who shared divinity is the same one who shared in humanity, forsaking privileges and honors of godhood for their sake, then they would no longer live for their own benefit, but for the benefit of others as Amen. well. You would Amen. have a generation of humble, broken, gentle Christians who out of reverence for Christ who gave up everything for them have received this salvation that mm. has become theirs in Christ mm. Jesus. We Most important, we must remember that all believers, wherever you are, wherever you are listening to us this morning, we are all wounded people who have to come to Jesus for healing. And in that way, we must also recognize that even the next neighbor next, ne next to us, he's equally a wounded person who has to come for healing. And that affects everything. That's why Paul says, have this mind, brothers. This is who Jesus was. This is what he became all because of you. He became lowly. And in that phrase, we go back to John 14, where Jesus now says, The Father is greater than I, because he's thinking of the humanity and the humiliation and the condescension he has endured for the sake of you and I. You mm. wonder how then should we live? Well, the Apostle Paul says, He died for them all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died and Amen. rose again. Amen. That's what it means. That's what you become when you understand Jesus' statement, when he says, The Father is greater than I. May the Lord bless you so much as you continue to ponder that wonderful truth, and may the truth of God's word set you free. Amen. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.